The children of Israel, like we talked about last week, God gave them instructions to build this tabernacle, and it was the place that housed the presence of God. And so we've discussed it each week. If you've missed any of the prior weeks, which probably the majority of you have, you've missed one or two weeks, I would highly encourage you to go back and watch those weeks that you missed. And I, I genuinely mean that. Like, just take a night. Instead of watching Netflix, just go to YouTube, right? Or, or like on the car, instead of watching or listening to your murder mystery, like the documentaries and stuff like that, like just, just go on. <laughs> I had a conversation recently with some people. Anyway, uh, uh, but, you know, on your podcast and go listen to those, uh, those weeks because it's extremely important for your life and it's extremely important for, for what we're doing as a church here. But, but it housed the presence of God. And what the tabernacle represented, it taught us that the barrier, uh, the barrier of sin was removed by Jesus so we can draw close to God. We can draw close to the presence of God and we can experience the presence of God. We can experience the presence of God. Our mission statement has in it to help people know God. And whenever we say know God, what we don't just mean is to know God intellectually, but also experientially. All right? In our culture, we're very brainy. We're very intellectual. We like to like logic and all of these things. And I do too. I want things to make sense. But there, are, there is a certain place in the things of God, in the kingdom of God, that are called spiritual, not physical. It's spiritual things, and you can't always explain every single thing about it. And there's certain things in your relationship with God that must be experienced not just logically thought through. Now, if you've been here any, any amount of time, you know that we hold highly to understanding God and, and making sure that our doctrine and, and our logic is in, in place and it's, it's based on the word of God. But it's not just that. It's about also experiencing God. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Most people, most Christians are... Intellect is their relationship with God. That is how they approach God only, exclusively. But, but intellect and experience are not mutually exclusive. It's both and. And so when we talk about the presence of God, there is an understanding that God is both omnipresent, he is everywhere at all times, and we understand that. I believe that the presence of God is what holds all things together. Come on. It's what holds all things together. And, but also, there are moments where he manifests or displays his presence in special ways. You could say it like that, or you could say that we become more aware of the presence of God that is already around us and in us, holding all things together. And so when we talk about the presence of God, we have to understand, number one, yes, wherever the presence of God is, that is where the spirit of God is, right? And he's everywhere at all times, but he wants us to experience or understand or be aware of who he is. All throughout scripture, God reveals himself to people in distinct ways, especially the Old Testament. There's so many examples, and we've been walking through with the, the children of Israel and Moses, and if you, if you don't know the story, go to Exodus and read the book of Exodus, but you'll see where God showed himself to Moses in a burning bush that didn't actually burn up, 
God spoke to him through a bush. He, he, he was with the children of Israel with the pillar of cloud and fire. And then, of course, the tabernacle, he instructs them to build the tabernacle. And after they, they did all that was supposed to be done, the presence of God would, would rest upon the Ark of the Covenant. The same Ark that they would, they would take into battle and the, the Ark would go before them, signifying the presence of God going before them whenever he would lead them and guide them, right? And that's what God wants to do in our life. And so what we're going to do today is sort of pick up the story a, a little bit. I've got a lot of things I want to talk about. I hope I get to all of it before we need to shift gears. But I, I want to talk about sort of after Moses receives the instructions from, the, uh, uh, from God about the tabernacle, which is what we've been talking about. So check this out. While Moses is on the tabernacle, in the presence of God, cloud, smoke, fire, lightning, Stuff that scared the Israelites, if y'all remember, we talked about that. He's receiving the instructions for the tabernacle. While all this wonderful stuff is going on, <laughs> the Israelites make a golden calf. Because where's Moses? I guess he's gone. I guess God's gone. Let's fashion for ourselves a golden calf. Aaron, who went with Moses, sort of helped the whole thing happen. And they begin to worship a golden calf. And as Moses comes down off the mountain in the presence of God, come on, y'all, picture it. There's this sound. Like, what is that? Sounds like the sound of war. It's not the sound of war. It's a big party going on, man. That's the sound of a party. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know this story, huh? You're like. They go down. The Israelites have fallen into idolatry. And as a fallout of that, God says, because of this, I'm going to remove my presence from you. I'm not going to go with you where I said I was going to lead you. I'm not going to be with you. Go ahead. Do it your own way. But I'm going to re remove my presence. Then Moses replies to this. Verse 15 of chapter 33. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses knew that the most important thing that they needed was the presence of God. What he had just experienced was the very thing that they needed. And God now is saying, I'm going to remove this from you. I'm going to remove this from your, my presence from your, your midst. And Moses says, we are not leaving this place without you. Moses had a hunger and a desperation and an understanding of his need for the presence of God in his life. And the tabernacle was the place that housed the presence of God, right? And Moses is like, if all of the plans that you just gave me, if this doesn't, if this doesn't happen, we're not going anywhere. If I could hit pause for a second, I wonder if we as believers have the same sort of desire and understanding of the presence of God. Moses experienced something that the other Israelites did not experience. He went somewhere that other people, another place that the people did not go. And it birthed a hunger and a desire and a need for the presence of God where the other people did not have it. And for many people, they've never experienced this other dimension of their relationship with God, and they, and they don't even know that it exists, 
and there's no hunger and desire for it. And so the places in their lives that should be filled with the Spirit of God, they, they fill with other things in order to satisfy that longing and that desire for their creator. And that happens in the church as well. That's not just for the people outside the camp that we've talked about. For many people, they're outside the tent in the way that they live their life. They're, they're, they're only remaining in the outer courts. They're not drawing closer to the presence of God because it's, maybe it seems mysterious. Maybe it seems scary. Maybe it seems un, unknown. And then what happens is we begin to limit the, 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 the ability of God to do things in our life. I was talking to somebody this past week, and I was talking about how I think it's so interesting how Jesus went to a certain place and he could not perform miracles there. He couldn't move in certain ways because of the lack of faith that people had. Now, was that that Jesus couldn't physically? He's God in flesh. I think he could do whatever he wanted. Or he wouldn't. I don't know. We could have a long conversation about that. There is something to do with our hunger and our desire and our surrender and our openness to God that allows or disallows, however you want to put that theologically, God to move in our lives and in our church and in our midst and even our, our community. We have a part to play in this. The tabernacle housed the presence of God and was later replaced by the temple, which was a permanent building. And the Bible tells us that as believers, listen now, y'all, we are now the temple of God. Okay, we are. We are designed to, to house and to carry the very presence of God both individually and together corporately as the church. So we're individually temples and together, whenever we come together, we form a temple, if you will. Just think about it a second. Just, just like some of you are picturing yourself like a little tabernacle right now, you know? We are the temple of God. The temple of God is no longer a place but a people. The tabernacle points us to Jesus. And in scripture, we are then correlated with the temple that we are now carriers of the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was only accessed by the priest in a specific location through a certain pattern. But in the New Testament, through Christ, the presence of God is now accessible to every believer. Now, we're all priests. We all have access to the presence of God. It's sort of, if you want to kind of a, probably a lame illustration, but an illustration nonetheless. You can think about a landline phone versus a cell phone. Landline, you're tied to the living room. You might have one of those 40-foot cords that got you to the back room back in the day, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but there was only way, one way you could communicate to people on the other side, and it was through that, through that wire. And now we got cell phones, and now we can walk anywhere. Again, kind of maybe a lame illustration, but it works. We, some of you, you think that the only place that you can meet with Jesus is here, in this sanctuary. And although this is a special place, it's a sacred place, whenever we come together, sacred things happen here, this is not the only place that that takes place, okay? The presence of God is available to all believers. 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That's my question to you today, church. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 
Throughout scripture, the spirit of God is described as, as coming upon people or falling upon people or filling or dwelling in people or being alongside, coming alongside people. The spirit of God, God Emmanuel, God with us. The spirit of God is with us. All of these pictures is, is, is what God wants to and desires for us, is what he wants to do in and through us, to be near him, to be filled with him or indwelled with his spirit, to draw close to him. And that's what God's desire is for you, that there would be a close proximity between you and his presence. And so today, as we talk about this, I want to talk about three different questions, three different questions. Number one is this, what is the manifest presence of God? We talk about the omnipresence of God. But then there are these special moments where he manifests his presence. Now, let me tell you this. The word manifest has been hijacked and used for a lot of new agey, progressive Christian type, type, type things nowadays. And, you know, and so that's, that's not what we're talking about. Right? What we're talking about is the manifest presence of God, like as in scripture. And as these times in our life where God shows himself, reveals himself to us. We can't allow the world to define certain verbiage and certain moments, certain spiritual moments, and hijack, the, hijack these things away from God, who's the, the initiator and the creator of these moments. The Lord redeems these. The, the, the enemy counterfeits, but God is the originator of them. And so we want to experience the presence of God. What does that mean? What does that look like? I want to give you, for me, what is one of the most powerful examples of what the manifest presence of God really looks like. Whenever we talk about having a relationship with God in week one and how God pursues us and instigates a relationship with us, uh, I said one of the most, what I would consider to be most, most meaningful examples of that is a father to a child. God, through scripture, shows himself and talks about himself as a father to children, right? And, and a child of God is someone who has put their faith in Jesus, right? Truly. And God is our father, and so we are his children as believers. And this, this, this idea of the presence of God and experiencing the presence of God is this idea of God's face, y'all listen, God's face being turned towards us. having the attention of God, us looking into his face and he looking into our face. If you've, have, if you've had a child or you've spent time with maybe a niece or a nephew or somebody like that, you know when they're born and they're little, there's, you know, when they're, they're kind of super small, they're just like looking all over the place, but you know, a couple weeks after, right? You look at them and what are you trying to, you're like, hey, hey. And then all of a sudden there's this moment, you know, you know, where they lock eyes with you and then there's this brightness, their whole face, their whole countenance changes, right? As a father, it changed everything, you know, like I was like, oh man, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a dad, you know? I felt awkward holding babies till I had my own, you know? And, 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 but what, what is that? It's connection, it's closeness. It's the attention between a father and a child 
and it's beautiful, and it's a picture to us of God's presence, his attention, and also our awareness of his presence. Come on, you're looking at the baby in the face. He's all over the place, right? But then all of a sudden that baby says, oh, hey. Many times it's not God, you know, all of a sudden looking away from us and then looking at us. It's us moving our attention away from the world, away from drama, away from entertainment, away from all of these things that seek to fill us, and we look in the face of God. And then all of a sudden, something in us changes. It's the attention of God. It's, it's why it, when someone says, seek the face of God, have you ever heard, seek the face of God? Maybe some of you are like, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. Well, it's referring to scriptures like 2 Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. There's other scriptures that talk about the face of God. It's the attention of God. It's us being locked in with who God is. The, the Hebrew word for face in the Old Testament is often translated presence. What, what happens whenever we experience the presence of God? Whether, one of the things is there's an affirmation. Y'all, listen, I was like 10 years old, and I didn't realize the significance of this moment, but I was 10 years old. I was in building two. It was kind of like at the response time at the end of a service, and I, I knelt at, the, at the, what we call the altar in the front of the church, and uh, I have no idea why. I don't remember what the sermon was, but I remember kneeling there and hearing the voice of God, and this is what he said. He said, you're my child, and I love you. For some of you, you're like, cool, next thing. As I've gotten older, I've realized the significance of that moment. And, and, and those words have carried me through dark seasons. Those words have carried me through doubt. That moment has been a staple in my life. When I was 18... I did some stuff, disappointed my father. I broke his heart in certain ways. And when I heard my father weep because of the things that I had done, but yet still in grace and love forgive and work with me through those things, I then put together, I'm your chi- you're my child, I love you, I'm your father with that type of grace and that forgiveness. And all of a sudden, I had a better revelation of the grace of God in my life and the empowerment of his spirit in my life. And it carried me through my early 20s where I doubted if God existed. I had certain things to hold on to. Those are encounters with the presence of God. There are moments in our life that define us in our faith. And it's those moments whenever we encounter the heart of God. That's why we need to encounter the presence of God. Come on. The intellect, it runs out. Some people talk about this and they call it emotionalism. And I think it's one of the greatest poisons in, our, in, our, in the American church nowadays is people who call moments of clarity and wisdom and, and moments where God reaches into your soul and changes you and you feel him in, in a deep way and they call it, oh, that's just emotions. No, it's not. First off, God created us with emotions, all right? 
If God can use trials and tribulation in our life, he can use our emotions. I don't know about you, but I feel emotional whenever I think about my children and when I think about my spouse and my family. There's a, I, have, I have love for them that I feel. It's okay to feel things in a relationship with God, y'all. Okay? Don't run from that. It just always needs to be balanced with the word of God as well. Okay? We don't always follow our feelings. But... There's a difference between a father being in the same room as his children and a father being present and looking into their child's face. How many of y'all have ever gotten a conversation with somebody and they're looking away? Right? How many of y'all, check this out. I can't talk to people if this happens. Yeah, 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 ding, yeah, 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 mm-hmm, yep. And I'm still talking, they're just going... You don't care about what I'm talking about. What is that? Your attention, you're distracted. You're distracted. Many of y'all, you're like, I don't hear the voice of God anymore in my life. Of course you don't. This is you. Not physically, but spiritually. It's what you look like. He could be screaming in your face, and you're not going to hear it because you're doing this all the time, and physically probably too. <laughs> so there's no awareness of his presence. It's the children of Israel worshiping the golden calf, y'all. Now, we might not fashion a golden calf, right, but we, we're distracted. God's like, hey, stop sleeping around. We're like, no, nah, I like it. You getting a little personal now? Sorry. God's like, stop lying, man. Then we keep lying. He, it could be a plethora of things. Whatever it is that you know that it's been pricking your heart in the last six months and you've been just ignoring it, whatever that is, whenever we ignore it, it's us looking away from the Father and looking at our phone. And we can do that individually, but guess what? There comes a moment where, where as a church, an entire church, the tipping point happens, and then all of a sudden you've got, a, you've got a, a temple full of people who've made it a den of thieves. It's no longer a house of prayer. And then Jesus has to come flip tables. And whenever the, the tables start getting flipped, come on, man, things start getting exposed, God's tried to deal with you in private, right? Every single one of us got something, man. God's not, some people are so scared of it. They're like, oh God, oh God. Stop being afraid of the conviction of the presence of God and embrace the presence of God and allow his conviction to change you. So when we talk about the presence of God, we're talking about the face of God being turned towards us, his affirmation. It's why scripture is like number six when it says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Come on, never read that scripture the same again. This is what we need. This is what we desire. This is the fuel in the tank for believers. This was the fuel in the tank for Moses. 
But as we experience the manifest presence of God, again, don't be afraid of the word manifest all the time, but be aware when people use it, okay? What does the presence of God produce in and through us? Well, his presence brings revelation of his heart, experience of his love, and empowerment by his grace. He, he, whenever we experience the presence of God, we, 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 there's things that are produced in our lives. There's things that are produced in us and then move through us. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit as one of those things. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience. You can go to Galatians 5 and read the whole list. The spirit in our life, the presence of God in our life produces the spirit of God in our life, the the, the fruit of the spirit in our life. Also, the spirit of God in our life reveals and, and, and shows us the gifts of the spirit that God has given us. Did you know that as believers, God has given us gifts and these gifts are to build up the body of Christ as we Walk in those gifts. I said something last week. I was in Long Beach, and I was, I was teaching, and I said, I said, you know, as we're going through our, our walk with God, we're in a battle. And if the enemy cannot destroy our faith, kill us, destroy us, the next best thing is to keep us from bearing fruit or to operate in the plan of God in our lives, but to keep us dormant and stagnant. And, and, and just trying to just survive, like this is water, like just try to keep our nose above the water. And so many times people are just trying to just stay saved just, 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 I've just got to make it to heaven. Did you know that God has more for you than just barely making it into the kingdom of God? Just barely, just like, did you know that he has a desire for you to be empowered with his spirit, operating in the gifts and the calling that he has for you in order to, to not just barely make it in the kingdom but to be an ambassador for Christ. Some of you, you gotta hear that today. Some of you are so caught in this religious style of Christianity, like this right here, and this is all it is for you. And it's time to bust loose. It's it's time for some victory in your life. And the victory is not going to come always through just studying more and getting smarter or trying really hard. It's, it's by experiencing Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God. What happens when you encounter the presence of God? You experience the power of God, power over sin, darkness, death, and power to do the work of God, evangelism. Some of you are so afraid just to tell somebody that you believe in Jesus. Why? There's a lack of potential revelation, but also there's a lack of the presence of God in your life to empower you so you can walk in boldness. 
We should not be scared to tell people that we're believers. We should not be embarrassed to pray in front of others. Is anybody with me today? Right? Like, let's, let's lift up our heads a little bit. Let's, let's kind of shake ourselves out of this dormant state of Christianity. Let's, let's lift our eyes up and say, man, if I'm a child of God, let's walk as children of God. The power of God. What happens whenever we experience the presence of God? What does he do in us? Well, we experience proximity to God. We have an awareness of his nearness because he's a person to know. Some of you, it's been so long since you felt close to God. And now, I'm, I'm not one to say that every single one of us are going to be walking around in the Shekinah glory of God all the, all the time, just floating through life. You know what I'm saying? Just floating. Just. So people, everybody, people go from like either nothing with God to just this extremely ridiculous, like if I don't have the, the glory cloud around me at all times, then I must not be right with God. And it's like, y'all... Just read the Bible a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but I will say there are moments when Jesus speaks to you, and it just, you just know. Closeness to God. He wants us to experience him and also to be changed by him, which is the next thing. When we encounter the presence of God, he transforms us into a new creation, holy and set apart. We're changed. Encountering the presence of God changes us. You can't encounter the presence of God and not be changed. So the question is, when are we filled with the presence of God? What does that look like? How, how does it look like? Well, let me give you a few examples. When the Bible talks about being filled, it's a picture of being filled continuously or like a plant needing to be watered continually. And we need to be continually filled with the Spirit of God. We do. Daily, weekly, monthly. Like, we need to be filled again. And let me, let me put it to you in, let me kind of use a different example. In your life, anything that, that you do for fun, the more that you do it and the more that you study it, the more that you want to do it and the more you, knowledge you have of it and the more desire you have and, and like you, you spend money. Like I started playing golf a few years ago and I was horrible, but I wanted to get better. And so I started studying about golf, started spending a lot of money on golf. And uh, right, why? Because I valued it. I valued learning how to play golf. Apply that to anything in your life. What do you value? You spend time, you spend money, you study, you get better at it. And then, and then you, you want to do it more. Think back whenever you were, man, if you're married, when you started dating, you know, or maybe right now some of you are dating, and you're like, I just want to be with them all the time. I just, I just don't feel complete without them by my side, you know? <laughs> what is that? You have a desire in you that then compels you to spend more time together. And your relationship grows, your understanding of one another grows. There's a deeper closeness or intimacy. That's where soul ties come from. And soul ties are good whenever it's with the right person. <laughs> they're horrible when they're with the wrong person, though, right? Come on. Eee. <laughs> 
We need to have our souls tied to Jesus, man. To where whenever we are, whenever the things in our life are hitting the fan, that we don't run to a drink, that we don't run to a person, our friends, right? We run to Jesus, a desire for his presence. And these moments that we are filled with his presence, man, it happens at the moment of salvation. Our spirit man is made alive. There's an increased awareness of God. So you might ask yourself this question right now. If you don't feel the things that I'm talking about, if you don't have these experiences, the first question I would have is, are you saved? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Truly. And, and you, sort of, you sort of know that deep inside of your, yourself. The Holy Spirit's the seal of our salvation. If you're saved, your spirit's alive. You are the temple of God, and now you're housing the presence of God. Another thing would be through prayer and worship, both individually and corporately. We talked about the incense, the prayers of the saints and the worship of the saints being like incense going, going before the throne of God. So many people have no prayer. They have no worship. Whenever we have moments in worship and we say, come on, in your own words, just go ahead and pray to the Father. Come on, just worship Jesus in your own words and mouths shut and eyes open and people stand. Why? There's a disconnect. There's not, I'm not talking about sensationalism. I'm not talking about stirring up stuff and making it sound. I'm talking about something that naturally flows out of a child of God. A gratitude, prayer, praise. If there is no prayer, if you're scared to pray, if you don't know how to pray, we also need to learn how to pray. I'd encourage you, be here tonight. Come every, every first Sunday night, whenever we have prayer and worship nights, come, learn how to pray. Learn how to seek the face of God. Read the word. Read the word. Begin to read the word. You say, I don't know how to read the word. How did you learn how to do anything else in your life? Some of you fall asleep during messages like this. Why? I don't know. Where's the prayer? Where's the word? Where's the hunger? We read the word together individually and corporately. Our experience of God is many times birthed out of a greater understanding of God. A lot of people, you knew Jesus closely years ago, and now your relationship is dry. I want to let you know that God's face is still turned towards you. Turn your face back to him again. Be filled with who God is. I want to let you know that you can also experience the presence of God, be filled with the presence of God when you serve. The Bible says it's better to give than to receive. Serving others. Salvation, prayer, worship, reading the word, serving others. Some of you are like, yeah, I know this list. What does it look like in your life? Is this actually taking place in your life?
Messages like, like this should convict us, but it's not conviction like this. <sighs> That's condemnation. Conviction, when the Spirit of God speaks to us, it, it motivates the heart of a believer. And that's what this whole series has been geared towards, to motivate the hearts of believers to deepen our relationship with Jesus, to live in victory, to live with a fire and a passion in us for the things of God, and ultimately to, through God, by his empowerment of his grace and his spirit, to expand the kingdom of God, to reach other people who are headed straight to hell, y'all, and to be a light in a dark place, to, to house the presence of God and bring the presence of God to people. There's a lot of different ways we can describe it, but that's been the goal of this series. And I wanna encourage you to begin to seek the presence of God through prayer, through worship, through the word, Whenever we begin to ask, a lot of times I think of messages like this as almost just like uncovering something and saying, hey, look at this. And then we go. <laughs> and then we actually discover in our own lives, what does this look like?